Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. This is episode 478. We're getting so close to 500, I can almost taste it. Today is January 18th, 2023. My name is Jake Jabarelli, and this is my co-host, Blockchain John. How's it going, John? Hi, everybody. I'm doing good, doing good. Um, Jesus, the, 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 the... The week went by so quick. It's ridiculous, man. We're already at Wednesday. It's like, what happened in the past couple of days? It's just... Quicker quicker, well, I mean, the news never stops for us. Unfortunately, we can jump right into millions of dollars of asset transfer from FTX US. You want to get it? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, $90 million in FTX US. Assets were moved via unauthorized transfer after bankruptcy. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, half of the $181 million worth of assets identified by FTX US and the US-based arm Sam Bankman Freed bankruptcy crypto empire was subject to unauthorized third-party transfers following the bankruptcy filing, according to presentation made to the FTX creditor community today. Yep, that's it right there. One of the things we talked about, or at least I talked about in the last uh, episode, was the fact that the uh, uh, president of the US division of FTX uh, had a lot of beef with uh, Sam. They never seemed to see it very much eye to eye, and uh, there was a lot of ethical commentary going on between the, the people. But at the same time, this kind of transfers between the two, you know, FTX and FTX US. It seems like it would make sense that there would be transfers going on to to balance the books because it's not like on the back end it really matters what happens as long as the front end is clean. Right. Um. Uh. You. The. the Restructuring team, as it was noted in the article, said that it had identified five and a half billion dollars worth of liquid assets, including one point seven billion in cash and three point seven billion in crypto. Um, but uh, right, this yeah, this other three hundred million in liquid liquid securities. But the you know where, was all the money sitting in FTX US? No, most of it was sitting in FTX, not the US arm of the company. But the U.S. arm of the company was all above board, or at least it would seem so, because the guy who was running it was trying to make it that way. And that, I think, is the reason that he had so much beef with Sam. is because Sam's mm-hmm. like, well, we're not in the U.S., we're in the Bahamas, so we can do whatever the heck we want. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, no. <laughs> so he, it, it, it's funny because, like I said in the last episode, uh, Harrison, I believe his name is, uh, had made some pretty outlandish commentary on Twitter and then when he was called out on it just block the people who said that it's like okay I, I get the impression that your your beef with Sam Bankman Freed is more for show than in the reality because it's like if you really didn't like what this guy was selling you you would have just left <laughs> but you didn't leave until the company was indicted you know so it kind of it kind of speaks to the integrity of the individual when they just kind of don't do anything even though they easily they're easy it's easily within their means to do something different like is it because of the clout that ftx was basically you know raining down upon you and so you're like oh well i I should just stay here because this is the best job i could have despite the immorality of it what i want to know is who has the 450 million dollars that was hacked from the account in exchange that's a lot of money. $450 million or $5.5 billion. I don't know. It's just a lot of money either, regardless. I don't think I've seen a billion of anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I mean, all right. No, I just saying. Well, I guess the difference would be a cold wallet versus hot wallet, right? So the majority is in cold wallet. Is that correct? It, the, yeah, no, that right? that was a, well, a large chunk of it was cold wallet money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Per that. that well, what's uh, accessible now is four hundred fifty million dollars. That's in that's in hot wallet. That can be literally like while we're doing this podcast can be swapped out any moment. Yep. Although, it, if anybody does move, if anybody does move that kind of money, we're going to see where it's going. So. Well, I mean. <laughs> You know, there's still access to tornado cash unless you're a U.S. citizen. Then you have well, actually, there's a different it. one. There's the one that we'll talk about later on with what Lazarus Group was doing. It's a different. Yeah. It's, I think it's called Railgun. Anyways, um, yes, that's actually been around for a while. Yeah. Let's move on to a debacle within the uh, NFT. Yeah, like all NFTs. Well, I, I feel like it's important to talk about this thing because I'm in favor of NFTs in the in the positive light. And I don't actually think NFTs are bad. The way they're used can be bad, but I don't think that was the point here for National Geographic. So, the first National Geographic NFT launch meets massive backlash and technical issues. Now, the technical issues are due to what a lot of people probably uh, are saying. Why did you guys go with no crash? Doesn't it just have crash in the name? Why would you want to go with a company that has crash in their name? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's not a video game like Crash Bandicoot or anything, but it's still crash. <laughs> I get that that's probably not what they're going for with the intent of their ideal ideology. But um, So I think a lot of people were associating this NFT launch with the Trump NFT launch. And a lot of people on... National Geographic's uh, social media came up, came back with very, very, very negative responses. Negative, negative, um, negative. So many people just so angry. Uh, the, the best way it's summed up is by Ryan Hawthorne where he says, Welcome to the comment section. Here you'll witness a sea of people hating on what they don't understand in their natural habitat. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who is, you know, Ryan Hawthorne is a person who has had a great deal of success in uh, with Sotheby's in particular uh, with uh, uh, Ethereum NFTs. Now, this these NFTs were launched on Polygon, which I think had something to. Do, I think some of the problem they were struggling with in this particular failure was not just Snow Crash's faults, but the fact that Polygon was literally in the middle of a transition itself. So that may have a, it just been a poor uh, timing. I, yeah. Yeah, on the on the part of National Geographic with Snow Crash, Snow, Snow Crash billing themselves as some kind of epic, you know, company that's like we know what we're doing. It no, you don't, because <laughs> you uh-huh. wouldn't have decided to do this at the, at the wrong time if you knew what you were doing. So yeah, yeah. so Nat Geo has a mass following with 250 million on Instagram, 49 million on Facebook, and well over 28.6 million on Twitter. Dude, they got a lot of people. Well, it's been around forever. It's a 135-year-old company. Nat so Nat Geo is awesome, dude. Yeah, Nat yeah. Geo stuff is awesome. I've yeah. always loved their magazines when I was a kid. I used to read yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. The people out there that take those photographs are amazing, dude. Yeah. You know, there's their, their channel is amazing. I love their stuff. You know, I was really hoping. I was really hoping with this uh, this NFT drop that it would literally be based not necessarily on modern content like you know the, the, the way that they're actually billing this is that they're using their current photographers and, and putting out I mean, i'm not saying that's bad i'm just really hoping they're going to nft their old issues yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah 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 exactly i would i honestly think 
And this is the reason I feel like some people feel that this NFT thing is kind of BS. Um, some of them literally commented. Uh, is that they're going about it from the standpoint of, well, we're just going to do this in a you know short limited run, which is what most NFTs are done with, um, just to see how this goes. And that's kind of, I feel like what they did. Like, well, we're testing the waters. I wish they'd started it from that standpoint of saying, we're just doing this as a test run to see how it works. And if it works great, we'll go further. But no, they're just kind of starting it. I think it feels more like it's Snow Crash that's leading uh, National Geographic into this yeah. more than the National Geographic going, hey, this is a brilliant idea. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, I think if anything would happen with Snow Crash, you know, uh, you know, uh, shoulder bumped uh, uh, Nat Geo says, hey, can we use you guys this for an NFT that we're coming out with? You know, it would be really cool to have Nat Geo in the crypto space because the crypto space is growing. So right. it would be nice to have you guys on there. No, there's right. a lot of there's a lot of companies out there that 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 does that. So they're just buying into the BS of that marketing company, and I'm not saying that all marketing companies are wrong. But like I said before, if National Geographic, even if they just didn't, you know, NFT their actual issues, which they might not want to do, uh, or maybe they just took old old images from those issues, right? If they, assuming they could get the the rights to those photos, or maybe they could NFT the articles, you know, really popular articles from really old. Um, magazines, really but I still say that if they ever decided to really go no holds barred on this and just said, "Look, we're gonna NFT a uh, a certain decade, like the 1970s or the 1980s, of of their uh, issues," and then say people like, they could make billions, in my honest opinion. Maybe that sounds like a, an overestimation of of the value, but I mean, National Geographic, like you said, a 135 year old company. I'm not saying they necessarily have all the articles and all the photos from the previous, um, you know, early, early, let's say, 19, 1890s or 1880s or something. But uh, if they could get stuff from like the 1930s and 1940s, if they have all those all those magazines, you know, mm -hmm. digitize and make NFTs out of them, they could make so much money, you know, selling well, that, that content. So Snow Crash already had issues like from the get go, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. But one thing that should have been resolved and tested is is your main honeypot, right? Yeah. You want people to connect your wallet, your MetaMask wallet, to your site so they can purchase those NFTs. Period. Yep. That's where the money's coming from. They yep. couldn't even figure that out. Yep. They screwed that up. You know? yep. it, it's resolved. It's resolved now, but that shouldn't have been an issue to get to begin with. Yeah. Like, if you're doing you proper proper uh testing when you're rolling this out in the beginning you're going to know what's going to not work and if you're going to be you know use if snow crash is a truly professional company then they would have already done the testing i've never heard them before yeah so anyways <laughs> okay continuing on let's go uh eu finance ministers says digital euro must offer privacy and yes. i agree Yes, we, we definitely agree with that. <laughs> the European finance minister have called for the digital euro to offer both privacy and transparency as central bankers begin test of the, pro the, test of the project this year. The digital euro is being spearheaded by the European Central Bank with the first idea launched in October 2020 and a more formal investigation into the project rollout in 2021. That's pretty cool. I'm still against CBDCs, and that's pretty much what this is all about, right? Right. 
But yeah. I mean, one of the some of the primary po- points that are made, and this is where we really need to address it. And when Japan's been looking at this, um, with the other, India's looking at it very, very seriously. Obviously, the United States has already commissioned a committee to look into the CBC ideology. And so they need to ask certain questions. And the things that are being pointed out in this particular article is these, these statements explicitly. To succeed, the digital euro, were it to exist, should ensure and maintain users' trust, for which privacy is a key dimension and a fundamental right. And at the same time, the euro group is also considered the design of a digital euro should comply with other policy objectives such as preventing money laundering, illicit financing, tax evasion, and ensuring sanctions compliance. Now, <laughs> it's definitely going to be a CBDC in the sense of a centralized bank digital currency mm-hmm. if you're going to be able to do those four things or five or six things. Um, in, that, in which case, they're looking at it more, uh, a CBDC was more specifically a very much a not not the all the benefits to blockchain just the ones that fit their needs and so in this sense the way that the european uh finance ministers are talking about this or the eu finance ministers they're actually talking about it more in a open how do i say not open sense a less confined sense of what a cbdc would be they're like, we don't want people to get screwed with our CBDC, right? The, 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 very, the very things that you, John, and I are worried about the United States doing a CBDC for is what the European finance ministers don't seem to, seem to be most concerned with themselves. So it's like they're on board with what we want. And that's why I think that what the questions they're asking here can we do these explicit things that I just listed are so incredibly important <clears throat> because they're looking at CBC more from the standpoint of fairness than just an alternative to fiat. What's interesting is that they already got five companies uh, uh, prototyping the CBDCs. They got it's Amazon uh, too. <laughs> interesting. I know. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kaixa Bank, Worldline, EPI, Nexi, and Amazon. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's cool that Amazon's part of that list. Oh, because they're everywhere, right? I'm still anti-CBDC. I say stick with Bitcoin. I don't understand why people just don't don't just uh, uh, make Bitcoin part of their global. Well, uh, think their think of it this way. Currency. I'm gonna I'm trying to pitch playing devil's advocate here. The utility of a CBDC in the future in the future. Assuming that the CBDC itself has properties similar to Bitcoin currently, in that right now the transfer, why did people invent you know the USDT, even though we have dollars, right? It's because USDT is a better analog to the US dollar than the US dollar itself. So a CBDC will, in that same kind of sense, lend itself to. Uh, faster transactions between countries. Honestly, I can see that if every country, every major country, not just the United States, but let's say European Union, China, Russia, uh, Australia, uh, uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, well, let's say they all went to a CBDC of their own. It would make the transfer between currencies that much more fluid. Right now, it, the fluidness is still done on a fiat basis. A fiat basis is much slower. 
even though there's a digital version of it, it's still much slower. It would give one explicit autonomy to every country. They wouldn't be dependent upon the U.S. dollar anymore, which I think is a very good thing. But it would also lend it the possibility to a much more fluid interaction between currencies that just doesn't exist today. And so I'm arguing for CBDCs for the potentials of making the world market more fluid than it currently is and less dependent upon the United States explicitly. Why not just use a stable coin? Because I don't want the stable coin to be U.S. based. I don't want the stable coin to be based on the U.S. dollar. I want the stable coin to be based on that that country's coin as it currently stands. And if uh, on their uh, based off their GDP, off well, yes, based off their GDP, yeah, their gross domestic product. Um, obviously, plenty of countries, Venezuela and Greece, and come to mind first. Um, is that their gross domestic product is based heavily on one export, Venezuela in particular. Um, and so where that export goes, so goes the entire economy, and that that's the value of their CBC could drop drastically. But what I'm saying is that the point of with, with liquidity of a CBDC in a country, if they all had them, if every country just had a digital currency, what was their, their digital analog, um, then trade between one digital currency of a country and another digital currency currency of another country would be much more fluid. If you if you follow I, okay, what I'm saying. So, uh, on, okay, so uh, let me try to piggyback off of that. Off of the idea for international trades, nation to nation, on that level, I can see that working. Being for person, peer to peer, I am totally against that. I don't want CBDCs to be for the right. But see, CBDCs are just one form of currency. We already know this. That you know, despite the fact that only a couple of countries in the world have accepted Bitcoin as a currency within their country, Bitcoin still exists everywhere. So you don't have to use a CBDC, or maybe the country would force you to. But at the same time, Bitcoin's not going away. Right. So Mm -hmm. it may be difficult to exchange. It might be difficult to exchange a CBDC in the country for Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean you can't use Bitcoin. Right. I'm not going to disagree with you that that CBDCs are going to come to fruition in pretty much every single nation. That's inevitable. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm still anti-CBDC. Okay. I, Uh, I think there are benefits to it, despite the fact that there are obvious or at least obvious to you and i um detriments to it so let's move on to <laughs> something worse than a cbc lazarus group actually i think it was yours sorry go ahead yeah that's fine so the lazarus group moves forty-one thousand ethereum that they stole from harmony the bridge hack uh what six months ago seven eight nine months ago back in uh march of last year and uh you know CC or Chengping Zhao has uh, been attempting to stop this through the uh, Huobi's uh, Binance uh, partnership. So, uh, if you don't already know, uh, North Korea linked cybercrime syndicate group, otherwise known as Lazarus Group, apparently transferred 
$63.5 million in Ethereum <laughs> from the 2022 Mammoth uh, Harmony Bridge hack, depositing it on Binance and Huobi and OKX, where, of course, those people can control that to some degree. Everyone's favorite uh, on-chain sleuth, Zach XPT, has been tracking all this information and posting it to uh, mm -hmm. Twitter. And apparently, like the uh, Tornado Cache has been, now been banned by the U.S., uh, mm -hmm. They were using a system called Railgun, which is pretty much the same concept. It's not identical mm -hmm. to the Tornado Cache, but it's very similar in the sense that it is trying to obfuscate um, the the deposits and retractions yeah. of all Ejection. Ethereum, yeah. basically, you know, ins and outs, right? So that it's not as obvious where the money is going. Although you could say that as a whole, money is going in. Uh, a, a large sum and money is also going out in a large sum just in multiple other accounts mm -hmm. and since computers aren't dumb <laughs> they can track the mass in and the mass out even if it's one mass in and a million mass outs so I'm just going to read Zach, Zach XPT's uh, second post here North Korea's Lazarus Group has had a very busy weekend moving this large sum of money from the Harmony Bridge hack through the railgun before consolidating the funds and depositing it on three different exchanges. <laughs> so yeah, he he has an actual visualization of exactly what happened. Well, that, that, and that's what they they specifically say. If you're going to hack or if you want if you want to stay private, don't ever use a larger sum than what the average is in that yep. um, in that exchange. In that, what is an exchange? In that, in that, uh, you, know, you want to use platform averages. It's it's a mixer. So, okay. it, it, say for example, for 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 Bitcoin, for example, I think uh, it's. I was reading a book. They said on average, um, you want to use point one Bitcoin. So if you have ten Bitcoin, you gotta you gotta throw those. Yeah, break break it up into a hundred pieces, right? Yep. Um, yeah, that's that's generally true. Like I say, when people, when Elon Musk bought his massive amount of, of uh, crypto, um, you know, for use in Tesla, they didn't buy it all and like, oh, we're just going to buy six hundred million dollars in, in in Bitcoin. No, they didn't buy it that way. They bought it in multiple hundreds of thousands of smaller pieces and through multiple different brokers. So, do you think do you think he bought more from the dip? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm sure uh, Michael Saylor did. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I'm going to read CZ's Binance, uh, CZ from Binance, his, uh, his tweet here. We detected Harmony One hacker fund movement. They previously tried to launder it through Binance, and we froze his accounts. This time, we, uh, he used uh, Huobi. We assisted Huobi's team to freeze his accounts. Together, 124 Bitcoin have been recovered. Uh, CFI, centralized finance, helping to keep... DeFi, Safu, or safe. <laughs> yes, uh, there is there is some level of of uh, control within centralized uh, exchanges. I applaud you, CZ. It's a good job. Good job to your team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good job to the team, man. Screw you, CZ. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, the the guys, the the folks over at Binance, they they don't mess around, man. This is an excellent job right here. You got to give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, it's good to see that that it's it's still a little odd. When forty one thousand Ethereum is no small amount of Ethereum, but 
it, it seems strange. Now, it might just be the problem with moving hundreds of millions of dollars in coin is how do you move it without mm-hmm. people seeing you move it, right? Exactly. The, the worm concept seems well, to work way better here than just, you know, stealing a gargantuan sum of coins. And I think that's going back to the first article. I think that's the reason why the FTX hack uh, funds have not been moved as of now because they don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do. Um, or, or should I say uh, uh, SBF oh, well, doesn't know what to do with those coins? What was the name of the, the dynamic duo couple, the white girl and the Ukrainian guy who supposedly stole, stole a gargantuan sum of, of um, crypto several years ago and then they started to try to spend it? And by the time that they started spending it, it was like, like worth nearly $5 billion. And it was so glaringly obvious that what they were doing with it, it's like, well, it, this is the problem with robbing the train, right? When you when you take a gargantuan, I'm referencing, you know, 1800s or 19th century train robbery, but where are you going to spend all that gold? Where are you going to spend all that coin? You have this massive amount of money and it's all in one place. How do you get rid of it? How do you exchange it for the things that you want and not have people recognize that it's obviously stolen funds? So, I mean, if I'm not saying that hackers are smart, they certainly aren't, but it's ironic how dumb the people are hosting the, the coin are. Harmony, I'm not saying it's just one person, but... I think it's just greed and just uh, uh, being... Um... Uh, what's the word? Uh, not being patient. Being oh yeah, patient. no, it's it's not definitely impatience. You're absolutely right. But I mean, almost all crime is crime of opportunity. So yeah, criminals aren't really smart them. because you wouldn't, you wouldn't, we wouldn't even know about them if they were do, smart. And do and do smaller transactions uh, through mixers and you know slowly and it, and I've seen people do this successfully. I, I was reading a book about that. Where uh, what, what, the, the way to do it is. Uh, Send the funds in smaller increments to the mixer and then distribute those every single one of those transactions to separate wallets. Every single one of them. Yep. They never touch each other. Yep. And then from there, you send it back into the mixer. This is, this is the point I'm trying to make is that the, the stupid hacker or the stupid criminal won't do things in, a, in an intelligent way that would not bring on notice, right? The smart criminal, you, you don't really hear about them because they're smart. <laughs> So. Rinse and repeat, man. Rinse and repeat. Anyways. There. Yeah. Um, so uh, just a minor little uh, note here at the next news article about how Ethereum is changing. Um, and this is this is a good thing. So uh, Ethereum hits 500,000 validators ahead of scheduled Shanghai upgrade. Um, that's a lot. Remember, one validator requires 32 Ethereum, which is currently worth 50 grand. Um, so what's five, what's half a million times 50 grand with it? 2.5 million or is that 25 billion? Excuse me. Um, that's, that's immense. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, there's too many numbers for me. Is it 2 billion? I was even money. wrong about this. Let me, let me just do the numbers here on screen here. Numbers. Times 50,000. 25 billion. Okay. So I was... It's about $25 billion. So um, currently $25 billion worth of validators are currently set up for this pre-upgrade. But the reason this is so exciting, right, is that with Shanghai in March, um, I think it's a funny name to use for this, being Shanghai'd. (laughs) Um, 
is uh, <laughs> that people who have staked their ETH through Steeth, S-T-E-T-H, mm-hmm. can finally remove it. And we were talking about this pre-show and that, that uh, the people who are going to finally be pulling their Steeth out into ETH and, you know, maybe back, possibly back to whatever coin they, they use to buy stuff with um, is going to be possibly tanking the price of Ethereum Although yeah. John's pretty sure it's not going to go below a thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah, that's um, my prediction. I don't. I doubt it will go below a thousand. Um, yeah, because I, I, it's perfect timing. Because the way that the market's going, it's going up, right? Um, so overall, I think it it, it it just looks like it's gonna dip slightly, but not enough to be like, oh my god, I get to buy these, you know, for just a couple hundred dollars. No. I don't, I don't see that happening. No, I don't think it'll ever go back to 40 cents. No, and and um. on top of that, there's actually not that much um, uh, coins staked. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much in comparison to what's already out there. No, no, you're right. Yeah. The, the, the total sum of value of all of it. But still, I mean, what, what, if we look I at if I, if you look at CoinGecko like right now, what does CoinGecko say is the current total market cap of uh, Ethereum is $184 billion, right? So I guess... Yeah. It's roughly uh, seven times, a little bit more than seven times, the total amount of staked ETH um, that's total available. Remember, we've said this before. Just because there's uh, the price of something is high does not necessarily mean there's a lot of liquidity in it. In fact, this is point and point purpose about, about Bitcoin itself. Uh, there's not a lot of Bitcoin available out there. Most people are just hodling it, hodling it constantly. And the reason that that the reason that the price is so effectively high is because there's, you know, not a lot of people are moving it. <laughs> you can only buy what's available. All in my cold wallet. Yeah. So uh, Bitcoin is mostly hodled, and what little is there for trade? That's what's worth twenty thousand eight hundred dollars current price. Um. So yeah, yeah. There's there's going to be a change and. Uh, <coughs> A lot of people are going to pull their staked ETH out and do whatever they're going to do with it. Finally, after six months of waiting, it must have been longer than that. For depends on when you staked it. I staked some some staked ETH over a year ago. So, I wonder why they did this. Why, why did they cap it at forty two thousand ETH per day? Just so it doesn't like just sink down. Like probably that's the same problem that you're talking. We're talking about with when there's a run on the bank when the bank closes. They don't want that to happen. This, is this forty-two thousand ETH per person or per day? No, it says per day. So just the entire contract. If you don't take yours out within the, that that round of 43,200 ETH in that day, out of the out, out of the staked ETH, and you have to wait until the next day. Uh huh. Next twenty-four hour period. But yeah. Ah oh, snaps! So wow. Oof. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to do it. Um. Well, you think about it. What? How much is forty-three thousand two hundred ETH? It's actually more ETH than what's the total amount of ETH that was just moved by the Lazarus Group. Yeah, yeah, but it, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking in regards to like tank, tanking the price. So there's no way you're going to be able to tank the price with just that 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 amount of ETH being. being we'll see. We'll see. It, stranger things have happened. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right. So, yeah. finally, All right, and lastly here. What have we got? Uh, crypto panics. Then jeers at DOJ 
announcement of major action against tiny Chinese exchange Bitlasso. This was quite interesting. I did hear this earlier. That uh, so the DJ came out earlier today, started threatening people, or started started basically with with, with the pre press release saying, "Hey, we're going to be cracking down on a pretty big crypto exchange." Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody freaked out. Yeah. Everybody freaked out. And, and we noticed the price dro drop sharply. I don't know if you guys saw that yeah. in the news, but it's just like, yeah. you know, everything went down. Yeah, like the reason. So, yeah. so the DOJ came out like a bigger bully. says, we got some big news. We're not messing around. We're cracking down on exchange. So there's a lot of rumors that uh, it was going to be, is it, is it Binance? It's got to be Coinbase. It's got to be. Yeah. It's gotta I was, be, uh, I was uh, expecting them to say, uh, we're launching our NFT line. <laughs> big news, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, DOG's yeah, NFT yeah. line. So what ended up happening was they ended up cracking down on a, uh, a, a crypto exchange that I never heard of, Bit, uh, Bitlazo. Uh, what is Bitlazo? That's the question. I've never heard of it. Have you heard of it? I had not heard of it until I read this article. So Bitslato or whatever. It's Bitslato. Odd, yeah, odd, yeah. odd names. Hong Kong-based cryptocurrency exchange. Exchange founder, Russian. So, yeah. So Russian national Antony, uh, how do you say it? Legco. Lekon Dave Mov, yeah. nicknamed Gandalf. Okay, so he was no. arrested in Miami last night. Basically, what happened was he was, you know, you know, he was, he was money, he was watching money, man. You know, he was, he was, uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, for for I think it was for the Russians, if I'm not mistaken, what I heard earlier. Yeah, it says right here if. Uh, oh, let's go here. Relative size of crypto exchange is minuscule, according to analytics firm Arkham. The Chinese exchange at its peak held no more than six million dollars in funds. So it's not a big deal. So I don't even know why the DOJ even came down, made like a big, big noise, because they ended up. To be honest, that's the main trigger why the market crashed today. By where are we at? Down three, three point six percent. Yep. That's interesting. That the DOJ. I, I've never seen an entity recently make the market crash like that by coming out with a statement. No, the last time I saw something like this was literally years ago when the Chinese like, we're banning Bitcoin, and then you see you see the market crash. Oh, that's that's quite interesting that that the DOJ still has that type of power to just come out. It's like, yeah, we got some news. At least they're not malicious. The you know, at least uh, yeah, yeah, they're I mean, not I doing it just to screw with the market. But it is interesting. Yeah, it to, you're right. It is. It, it is interesting to see that the world's most powerful country's Department of Justice could come out with a statement about crypto and cause crypto to tank. I would expect it of Anthony Scaramucci or some other venture capitalist, but not the DOJ. Yeah, I think I think this is proof that uh, this is this is a fake bull. That people are not confident that uh, uh, the price is is, is running up. Uh, because something like this just made the market crash. So I personally have some trigger buys at a lower price right now. Uh, not financial advice. This is just what I'm doing, uh, <laughs> seeing that the price is coming back down. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me. There's some there's some news coming out tomorrow about, um, well, I think this is actually going to make the price go up. It's not one of our news articles, but uh, what is it? The, um, the, 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 the budget. The government budget's going up, uh, most likely again tomorrow, right? Because it expires. Our right. Expires. Right. Uh, so that's going to be going going up again. We're gonna we're gonna raise the roof, and uh, what that's going to do is obviously devalue the dollar, but uh, bring more confidence and power to Bitcoin, another crypto, which is amazing. I love that. 
Uh, that that that's, I I'm hyped about that. You know, it's it's sad to see the the national currency go down, but you know uh, the the birth of Bitcoin is literally the death of the dollar. Unfortunately, that's the reality of what happened when Satoshi Nakamoto brought that in. There was a revelation there. There was, you know, a revelation like the, the like the Wizard of Oz, right? The curtain was opened up, right? Right. And that's exactly what happened. So, it's going to continue on for years and years down the road, and just the American dollar, the, the the power of the dollar is going to keep going down. And in my opinion, this is what I'm doing. I am hodling Bitcoin and other crypto because I believe it's going to be worth more and have more uh, uh, utility and more power when it comes to well, uh, based, purchasing power. Based on the, the on the way that the simple, um, I don't know what the, the term is they use to describe it, but simple, anal uh, simple analysis, technical, simple technical analysis of Bitcoin mm -hmm. predicts not explicitly or exactly, but pretty close to saying that in sometime in 2025, the price of Bitcoin based on the previous two peaks will hit 180,000 US dollars. So a lot of people, mostly just people with a gargantuan sum of Bitcoin in their pocket, um, like uh, Tim Draper and, and the, the Winklevoss twins and probably Elon, although I haven't seen much of his tweeting about it lately. Uh, are all saying that the price is going to hit somewhere between 180 and 250,000 by the end of 2025. They also said it was going to hit by the end of 2022, and that did not happen. So, um, it's it seems like the natural prediction of the next happening, but no one is going to. No one can predict the future. Believe you me, if I was looking into my crystal ball of the future, I wouldn't be looking at 2025. I'd be looking at 3025. <laughs> Where is everything going eventually? Not, not right now. Um, so, with that, uh, well, hold on, hold on. I just wanted to say these tweets in that last article are hilarious. I don't know if you showed that on screen. Yeah, I did. They're hilarious. Yep. Yeah. Pretty funny. Uh, that last one from CZ. He's straight up on point right there. We'll try to keep 2023 simple. Spend more time <laughs> on less things. Do's and don'ts. Right. One, right. Education. Two, yes. compliance. Three, products and service. Four, ignore FUD, fake news, attacks, etc. And that's a good way to end it. Yep. Tweet number four, ignore the FUD. And ignore the FOMO because it's never going to get you anywhere. So with that, we'll say uh, thanks for all for watching. If you could give us, at the bare minimum, just a thumbs up or a like or wh wh wherever you're receiving our content, we'd appreciate it. Check out our coin tree. It's very easy to get to. Coin C-O-I-N-T-R dot E-E slash C3 Media. We'll get you the links to all of the donation that you can donate to us. We've had people donate recently. We really appreciate that. Uh, you can also check us out on Discord. Of course, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Spotify, Anchor Podcast. And there's a various other places you can donate. At the end of the show, we always say stack sats and hodl. And hodl. Adios. Adios.